Good morning and welcome to the 7am Bible. This is Paul Chapman and this is episode number 12. I can't believe we've come this far. Thanks for joining. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for waking us to refresh to a brand new day. We thank you for your love and mercy to us and we ask for a blessing upon us now as we open your word together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if this is the first time you're listening, we've been looking at the life of Jacob. In our last episode, we looked at Esau and uh, where we saw his, where he demonstrated his unfitness for the birthright blessings by the choice he made in marriage companions. Now, the birthright blessings, in case you don't know, this was the blessing of a double portion of the father's inheritance and the uh, the spiritual blessings. The, the um, person who received the birthright would be the priest of the family, the head of the family, and also had some serious uh, obligations in regard to that, in, in regard to, in particular, teaching the, the ways of God to his family. And that meant his extended family as well. Uh, we saw there yesterday that Esau and the choice he made in marriage um, demonstrated his his um, unfitness for those blessings. And despite the grief that his wife's brought to Isaac, we'll see today Isaac's plan nevertheless to still bless Esau and, more importantly or significantly, Rebecca's strategy to thwart him. And let's see what lesson we can learn from that today. So let's read about it. In Genesis 27, I'm reading from verses uh, 1 through to verse 4 here. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore I take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savoury meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. Now Isaac, though a placid man, is determined here in his purpose to give the birthright blessing to Esau. This is despite the fact of the word of the Lord to Rebekah before the children were born, that the elder, who Isaac, who um, Esau was, shall serve the younger. And despite the fact that Esau had shown such a careless regard in selling his birthright so readily to satisfy his appetite, as we saw in episode 8, and the contempt in particular he had for the spiritual privileges and duties of the birthright. And finally, despite the fact of Esau's ungodly connection with the Hittite women, as we saw in episode 11, violating the conditions of the covenant blessing, as the Hittites were idol, well, they were, um, yeah, idol worshippers. Now, the record tells us Isaac's eyes were dim so that he could not see. Now, this is an important detail in our story for what is about to follow. Not only were his eyes dim, but evidently his discernment was also dim. His favoritism for his firstborn son was about to prevail. Isaac knew of his wife's opposition and so told the plan only to Esau. But Rebecca overhears the plan and in her characteristic boldness implements her own plan to counteract Isaac's. Let's read about it. This is Genesis 27, 5-10. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, 
I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savoury meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord, uh, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, according to that which I command thee, and go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savoury meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. Now there's some serious wills in opposition here. We have Isaac acting on the love for Esau and the custom of the firstborn rites, and Rebekah acting on the love for Jacob and what she perceived to be God's will for him. In Rebekah's mind, Isaac was in danger of incurring the divine displeasure and of debarring the younger son from the position to which she uh, understood God had called him. No amount of reasoning was going to change Isaac's mind. So she takes things into her own hands. Now this is going to be the pivotal act in our story. Rebecca's plan seemed justified, but it involved deceiving her husband. His eyesight was dim so that he could not see, and she made the most of it. She did not have enough faith to rest on God's word while maintaining her integrity. Deception, you see, is never justified. Falsehood and deceit are the tools of the enemy. Rebecca could not see that even if Isaac blessed Esau, God would still have worked to bless Jacob, as he did with Abraham and Isaac. I mean, if you look at how God blessed Isaac, I want you to go come back a little bit here to in Genesis chapter 26 and just see this for a minute. It says here in verses 2 to 5, this is just to show how God can work in someone's life. It says here, The Lord appeared unto Isaac and said, Go not down into Egypt. You see, there was a famine in the land in Canaan in, the, in this time. And God said to Isaac at the time, Don't go to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land. And I will be with thee and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. And I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed, which is thy descendants, to multiply as the stars of the heaven. And I will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's you and me. Okay. Now this is the crucial part. Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. You see, the faith of Abraham matured to a point of absolute confidence in what God had promised. He was able fully to perform. Romans 4 verse 21 tells us that. But Rebekah had yet to learn such implicit trust in God's promises. And as for the material blessings, let's read further how God dealt with Isaac. Verse 12, back here in Genesis 26. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So this proved what God can do for us. This was in a year of famine. There was no need to go elsewhere for food. God is able to provide for us exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, as Paul wrote in Ephesians 3 verse 20 according to the power that worketh in us. And that power is Christ, if we have faith in him. 
Now, the record says in uh, Genesis 26, verse 13, that uh, Isaac waxed great and went forward. And note this, he grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. I mean, he was a wealthy man. Now, and Rebecca, living amongst that, could not perceive that. She failed to trust what, that what God had done for her and Isaac there in, in uh, I think it was Gera. He could also do for Jacob, regardless of whether Esau is blessed by Isaac or not. God has a thousand ways to bring about his purpose for which we know nothing. But her lack of faith and desire gets the better of her. Her strong nature takes over and immediate action was taken to prevent the bestowal of the blessing. Rebecca, you see, was a woman of action. Now, let's have a look here. How did Jacob respond to his mother's idea? Let's have a read of it. Genesis 27 verses 11 and 12. It says here, And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. You see, Jacob's conscience really troubled him. The thought of deceiving his father caused him great distress. But, from respect for his mother, he does not point to the wrong itself. Did you note that? But to its hazardous consequences. He felt that such a sin would bring a curse rather than a blessing. Now, how is it with us? When faced with the choice between the right and the wrong thing to do, do we do the right because it is right? Because right doing is pleasing to God? Or do we do the right thing for fear of the consequences? You see, when it comes to serving God, He wants us to serve Him not from fear of consequences, but from love. Love to God is the very foundation of religion. To engage in His service merely from the hope of a reward or the fear of punishment doesn't avail anything. So let me ask you this, if heaven was never offered to you, neither the hope of eternal life in a wonderful world made new, would you still serve God? Now for Christians, ultimately the answer will be yes. That's because we have come to experience happiness in living with a purpose. And Jesus showed us what that purpose was. You see, Jesus lived a life of blessing to others and ultimately died that we might live. It's this aspect of God's character that we need to be acquainted with, his self-sacrificing love, if we are to serve him from the right motive. Ellen White, in her beautiful book on the life of Christ, The Desire of Ages, explains it this way. She says it here, It is not the fear of punishment or the hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciples of Christ to follow him. They behold the Saviour's matchless love revealed throughout his pilgrimage on earth from the manger of Bethlehem to Calvary's cross. And the sight of him attracts. It softens and subdues the soul. Love awakens in the heart of the beholders they hear his voice and they follow him. Jacob, you see, was yet to hear that voice, 
or if he did hear it, he was yet to place implicit confidence in it. Right now, he only perceived God as El Shaddai, God Almighty, who can bless abundantly as he did with Abraham and Isaac, but can also curse as he surely would if Jacob had deceived his father. This was Jacob's fear. All his life he had treasured the spiritual birthright. He had heard the wonderful stories from his uh, grandfather Abraham of how God had blessed him and lived amidst the great evidences of God's blessing upon his own father. His father's birth, in fact, was a miracle, and that's what God can do to achieve his purpose. The birth of Isaac was to teach you, remember that, that Sarah could not um, have a child. She'd passed the age of childbearing, but, uh, but nevertheless, God gave her a child, Isaac. And this uh, was to teach a great spiritual truth, a truth that we are slow to learn and ready to forget. Alan White writes about this in Desire of Ages, page 88. He says this, In ourselves we are incapable of doing any good thing, but that which we cannot do will be wrought by the power of God in every submissive and believing soul. It was through faith that the child of promise was given. It is through faith that spiritual life is begotten, and we are enabled to do the works of righteousness, which is godly living. To live a godly life in obedience to God's will, it's only possible through a spiritual life that's born through faith in God's word. Now, this is what I found difficult to understand in my own experience. I admit that in the beginning of my Christian walk, I feared God. I feared the consequences of my actions. I feared facing my life's record. And so I tried my best to do what I knew to be right, but I did not I, I, um, I did it all from fear of what might happen if I didn't obey. You see, like Jacob, I was yet to learn to put my trust fully in God. Now, this is the lesson that God needed to teach Abraham, and he now needed to teach Jacob. So, the takeaway for me today is this. Don't think you need to resort to deception to get ahead in life. God will provide for you and fulfill his purpose for you. As Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's his promise to you today. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and mercy to us. We thank you for this meditation this morning. And it's uh, while it's a, a, an interesting story so far and an exciting uh, moment of our story, we, we can learn from this, Lord, and take away from it the reality that you don't want us to practice deception in our own lives, that you just want us to trust in you fully and not serve you from fear of punishment or hope of reward, but to serve you from love. So I pray that you might reveal that love to us in Jesus and we might see that today and that we will and that we will allow that love to uh, change our hearts and lives and manifest it, Lord, in the world around us so that we can be a blessing wherever we go this day. And I pray this in and through the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for listening this morning to our meditation on the 7 a.m. Bible. I trust you've gained a blessing. And wherever you are today, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, remember, take God with you and have a great day. Until next time, I look forward to you joining me for the 7 a.m. Bible.
strength.